If you're looking for suggestions on where you can take the best basket weaving classes... What? What's wrong? Who hurt you? I... Well, it's a long list. (laughs) But this is not that podcast. No. Let's get that out of the way right up front. This is, however, comedy... Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, the podcast where a longtime married couple sits down, taking turns each week, selecting something uh, to watch, a movie, TV show, documentary, whatever, and then they sit down and talk about it and record it and send it to you out across the world. By the way, uh, after we discuss this week's movie, um, I'm going to give you some information on our listening audience, and there's a few surprises. Okay, sweet. But that's to come later. I'm Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. Actually went out to a theater this past weekend to watch a movie. I know, thank you for the fanfare. Um, It was The Courier, uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Of course, wore a mask the whole time, except when I was sucking down my overpriced soft drink. And... um, it's weird to do normal things. Kinda. As opposed to being normal to do weird things, which is... <laughs> which is even more weird if you think about it. Well, that's kind of my forte. Ah. I'm well, a musician. We're all strange. True. Uh, and as I said, you can see that review for The Courier on StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan. You can follow the podcast uh, as well. At CT Marriage. You can get in touch with us via email, comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voice message if you'd like. Just click the link or copy and paste the link in the description of this podcast. Joining me, as always, is the one, the only, the inimitable, my other half. Mod the Galactic Broad. Mm, okay, well, and. We are continuing our look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hashtag MCU, if you will. And we are now up to Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, It stars, uh, it's got a huge cast, but the main folks are Chris Pratt, uh, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, the voices of Vin Diesel and Bradley Cooper, Lee Lee Pace plays the bad guy, uh, we also have Michael Rooker, Karen Gillan, uh, and more, including, I think, something that perhaps surprised you was the presence of Glenn Close. Yeah. In a small role. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy is, of course, one of Marvel's team-up characters. They uh, have had various members throughout the year, but director James Gunn has gone with... Um, a group of characters uh, that, uh, well, you know, it, it's uh, it's a, 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 a distinct and sort of weird mix of people. Chris Pat Pratt is Peter Quill, who refers to himself as Star-Lord, which makes other people laugh at him. Um, Zoe Saldana is Gamora, who is the uh, abducted daughter of Thanos. Dave Bautista is Drax the Destroyer. 
Vin Diesel, uh, voices Groot. He, the motion capture was done by somebody else. Tons of dialogue for him. Yes. Well, yes. you know, there's only, it, it takes a lot of energy to come up with various ways to say, I am Groot. Uh, Bradley Cooper is the voice of Rocket the Raccoon. Also, somebody else did the motion capture for this CG character. You almost said crapture. <laughs> Probably not. There's that's a possibility a, this, that's going to happen later on. That's a great word mashup, Thank though. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have uh, the villain of the piece is Ronan the Accuser, played by Lee Pace, who I had to look up after the movie to go, I don't, I don't think I know who this is. And I do. He just had all that purple makeup all okay. over Okay. So he was someone you rec you could recognize. Yes. I, without the makeup, I recognized who he was. Okay. Uh, Michael Rooker plays Yondu, uh, who is sort of uh, Quill's boss. Karen Gillan is Nebula. She also plays one of Thanos' abducted daughters. And both. they're both blue. She's more green. No. Uh, Gamora is more green. Yes. Uh, Nebula is more blue. But Yondu is also blue. Yondu is also blue. Um, and uh, there, there's a bunch of other people. Um, we see early on that Peter Quill, as a child, was abducted from Earth immediately after his mother dies of cancer. Um, it, it's a very sad way to start a Marvel movie. You don't get that much yeah. in, in these Marvel movies. Uh, but we then cut years later to him as an adult. He is on a mission to retrieve an orb that is uh, protected by uh, a force field of sorts. And uh, also looking for that is a bunch of people who work for Ronan the Destroyer. Uh, he is looking for this orb on behalf of Thanos. Uh, the big bad of the Marvel Universe, at least in the first three parts of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and uh, there are various battles and things. And Gamora and uh, Nebula are working with um, Ronan the Destroyer. And when uh, his other underlings fail to bring him the orb... He uh, sends Gamora out to try to uh, retrieve it. But Gamora is actually working against uh, Ronan and her uh, abductive father, Thanos, because she knows the power of what's inside the orb. And if um, Ronan gets it, he plans on destroying a world, um, actually multiple worlds, and... Uh, she doesn't want Thanos to get it because she, I think, is aware of his ultimate plans, which get explained a little bit further down the road in, in the series of movies. Yes, he's very bad. He bad. Um, and all of these people sort of run into, stumble into each other uh, on this caper to try to get a hold of the orb and either give it to Ronan the Destroyer or sell it on the black market or whatever. So, I mean, that's a very bad description of the plot of this movie. But <laughs> It's not a bad description. It's very convoluted, and I'd be doing this for 20 minutes if I tried to actually give you a good rundown of what the plot is. 
So anyway, um, this Guardi Guardians of the Galaxy is was kind of a departure for uh, the Marvel movies. First, it's set in space. Uh, and this is, I believe, the first set of heroes uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that were not that well known. Uh, Iron Man was really considered a second-tier character before the movies, at least in the comic books he was. Oh, okay. Um, and then you've got, of course, Captain America and Thor. Those are your, those are your big, big, uh, big guns. So this is the first sort of, you know under the radar group of characters for a Marvel movie. Um, and this movie also takes a different tone from the rest of the Marvel movies in that it's more comedic. Yeah, there's a lot more comic banter among the characters. I, I when we watched it the other day and talked about it, I said it was a lot more goofball mm -hmm. in its in its approach and mm -hmm. in its dialogue. And you also made the point that these these heroes were not heroic heroes. No, they were no, kind no. of um, misfit mercenary sort of um, thieves. You know. Th yeah, they were not your sparkling, shining, um, you know, super virtuous superheroes. Right. They were like flawed characters. Um, and uh, I mean. Outside of, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Yondu, who is, um, who abducted Quill, we find out later, for his father, um, but he never gave him to his father. Um, you know, all of these people want to kill each other when they first meet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they... do not hit it off right away. They are not buddies right off the bat and each is in it for their own purpose and benefit that's the mercenary angle exactly um so you know we we get these people who are at odds with each other uh it isn't until gamora announces that she's planning to betray ronan and her father um by doing something with the orb that contains what we find out is an infinity stone. Uh, and this movie gives us the best explanation of what the infinity stones are. Uh, this is the fourth one that we encounter. Um, although you haven't encountered one of them because we skipped Thor the Dark World. Okay. But it, you don't really, well, it's, that movie's really not worth going back to revisit. But anyway, uh, this is the fourth. There are six Infinity Stones. Mm -hmm. um, and they each represent a fundamental force in the universe. Um, and we get this explanation from the Collector, played by Benicio Del Toro in a uh, bright white fright wig. And <laughs> uh, with various like stripe uh, he's got a stripe on his face and I don't, I don't yeah there's there's makeup but you know it's him yeah it's he doesn't have a lot of appliances on on his face or, or any probably uh and um 
he gives us a quick explanation as to what the Infinity Stones are and what they represent, including some history showing that, you know, at one time they were possessed by a group of um, uh, ancient uh, creatures and um, they wound up destroying themselves because they really couldn't handle the power of the Infinity Stones. And that's about the time uh, the Collector's assistant decides she's had enough of the Collector because he doesn't treat her terribly well. And um, she grabs the stone and it causes her to blow up, nearly destroying the, uh, the place they are, which was called Nowhere, K-N-O-W, where... Yeah. Uh, and is the head of an ancient creature that is being mined for various materials. It, it, again, I didn't describe this real well. Um, well, it's not. It's not just an A to B to C kind of. No, thing. I mean it's very interwoven with other stuff. Didn't even talk about the prison break, where they're they're all in this. They some some of them meet there some of them are sent there together um and um you know that that is a huge set piece and uh, a lot of action and fighting and and various uh and sundry things it's uh i mean the movie's not confusing when you watch it but trying to explain it is is confusing yeah uh, so, by the way, you can watch this on Disney Plus if you have that service, or you can uh, rent it from the various platforms. So, uh, but yeah, this this movie gives you a if you were unaware of them a primer on the um, on the Infinity Stones, and they become the focus of several movies down the road until we get to the giant climax of the first of the first three phases of the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe hashtag MCU so um, <laughs> aside from it being a goofier entry into the uh, the series yeah uh, what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy um, well its tone sets it apart, mm -hmm. and for somebody who's not like acquainted with the MC, hashtag MCU, mm -hmm. um, I think I mean for me it could have been a standalone. Well, it basically is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I noticed immediately that there was a lot more comedic banter. There was a lot more um, joking in jokes mm -hmm. and. Um, I remember telling you that um, Rocket's voice reminded me... It was voiced by Bradley Cooper. Mm -hmm. um, but this raccoon reminded me a lot of Jason Alexander from Seinfeld fame and, and other, you know, other things. A lot of the the accent and the tone, the delivery was mm -hmm. very Jason Alexander-esque. Mm -hmm. um, Groot was cute and a mystery, yeah. Um, but it, it, that was a very cool element for me. Him being there and his abilities and his powers, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, he's basically a plant. He's a walking tree. 
he's a walking tree, but he can do, like, he can spontaneously grow branches and, and stuff, and that becomes very important later in the film. Right, he can use those uh, extending branches as uh, to get him to a higher place that he needs to reach something, or as a weapon to impale lots of people onto. Or as a protective device. Yes. Um, so that was a cool element. Um, I enjoyed the humor. Visually, a lot of the scenes were darker. There was a lot of the, the backgrounds and just the, the whole, there's not a lot of sunshine in this movie. Right, because um, they're either in space or inside a ship or something. Yeah, so it was visually darker mm-hmm. while it's, um, it's other tone as far as like the dialogue and that kind of stuff was lighter Mm -hmm. so that was a dichotomy that i found interesting Mm -hmm. um it was entertaining and um chris pratt's pretty he's one of the pretty hollywood chrises we have pratt pine um evans big square noggin head right and hemsworth um hemsworth so um where does pratt fall in the in the hierarchy of pretty chrises is he uh, first, second, third, fourth? Because of his approachable quality, I think I'd probably put him as number two. Okay. Who's, and Hemsworth's number one? Yeah. Okay. And then Pine, and then way down below is Big Square Noggin. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm sure he's a lovely person, whatever. He's got this big square head and, like, three facial expressions that I've seen so far. So, whatever. Anyway, it's fine. It's all fine. Everything's fine. You're right. Um, right. Yes, it is. So, yeah, that's my rundown of the pretty Hollywood Chrises. All so. right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you got nowhere to go I now. got nothing. Uh, you got well, nothing, buddy. Um, now, as this, of course, you're less familiar with the lore than I am. Um, but, you know, we, we got to look at Thanos at the end of Avengers. He was the guy sitting in the floaty chair who turned around and smiled when they said they don't fear death. Yeah. And then we actually got to hear him this time uh, and get a little better look at him. Um, and um, so he's he's uh, voiced, and a lot of the motion capture is done by Josh Brolin. Okay. Um, who was in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as this, and again, I know you're not as familiar with the lore and, and, and all of that. Well, that's why we're doing this. Um, both as the introduction to this new group of heroes and within the whole structure of the MCU, hashtag MCU, how does, uh, Guardians of Galaxy for you fit into this expanding universe i mean do you do you feel like it's so out of place that it doesn't belong or do you feel like it's it's a nice branch pardon the expression group off to uh, a different corner of this universe well again not being familiar with the lore like you are it again kind of stands alone for Mm -hmm. me i i want to see in the future, what the connections are. Okay. So. Um, well, the the biggest connection 
that you know right off the bat is that Nebula and Gamora are Thanos' daughters. Yeah. He abducted them from various worlds that he's conquered. Yeah. Uh, we get a real good look at that in Infinity War. So okay, I'm really cool. looking forward to you seeing... Uh, at least with Gamora. That will tie up some of the threads for me. Right, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you get uh, some insight into the dynamic between Gamora and Nebula, because in this movie, Nebula hates Gamora. Yeah, it's adversarial. Uh, not just because she's going to um, um, betray Ronan, but that goes way back way back childhood issues and you know you notice that she's very mechanical she's a lot of her limbs and her eyes and other stuff about her has been replaced by cybernetics yeah she's a machine right well you get some explanation of that cool she's not entirely a machine and she didn't start out as a machine uh but both gamora and nebula have been Altered. modified by thanos over uh, their time with him. so But we get more of that in Guardians 2, their relationship, and later on in the series. You said at the very beginning of this movie that music plays a really important role, and I loved that. Um, Peter Quill's sick mother mm -hmm. gives him a gift. Mm -hmm. It is a cassette Walkman. Well, he had the Walkman. Oh, was the tape the gift he got a second tape you see he didn't open that gift until the end of the movie oh i was thinking the walkman was the gift i misunderstood no. or looked away for a minute well at the very beginning when his grandfather walks up to him and says your mom wants to see you, yeah he's got the walkman he's got the That's headphones right. on so he had the walkman and a first tape the awesome mix volume one uh, that his mom made for him. Yeah. And then this, the gift was a second cassette. Gotcha. Which he hadn't opened since she died. Um, and uh, him being with uh, the group of um, uh, thieves called the Ravagers, um, you know, that becomes a whole society. Again, it gets explained in yeah. Guardians too. But, um, yeah, it's it's... The music in this film connects Quill to Earth and yeah. his mother. Um, and it also gives the audience a connection to Quill uh, over and above the fact that he's the only human that we see, the only yeah. Terran uh, that we see. Uh, although the folks on, um, on um, I can't remember the name of the planet, Nova mm -hmm. Prime? Nova. Okay. Well, anyway, the folks on the main planet we're dealing with uh, look, for the most part, human. And certainly um, Glenn Close and uh, John C. Riley yeah. and others uh, are not, you know, they're, they're not covered with appliances or anything. Um, so they're human-like, humanoid, but... Um, the only earthling that's in the movie the majority of the time is, is Quill. Is Quill. Um, so, yeah, the, the music connects us to his past and to Earth 
and um, it's not just a bunch of aliens running around, and we're they're gonna have to try to make us like one of them, even the even the unlikable ones, which we eventually do. Yeah, like them. Um, you know that the music is the connection for Quill to Earth and to us. So yeah, and it is a great soundtrack. Oh my gosh, yes. Especially when that ooga chaka ooga 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 chaka That's, hooked on a feeling. Yes, yes. Uh, I, you know, a big deal was made out of the music before the movie even came out, and then, you know, hearing it incorporated. You understand why? Yes. yes. Yeah. You know, when he's when he's making his play for Gamora on Nowhere, um, and you know, she he's putting the earbud earphones on her head and it's like she's never heard music before yeah and or doesn't appreciate it really in any way and she actually gets into it and he thinks oh we're having a moment here yeah and he moves in for a kiss and she like nearly slits his throat (laughs) uh there's the beginnings of a romance between gamora and and quill that develops later on okay cool i am giving away bits and pieces of guardians too but that's when did guardians of the galaxy come out we never discussed this 2014 uh let's see here according to the wiki page 2014 okay sweet all right um and it was you know again it was sort of a risk for because you know Probably nine out of ten, nine and a half out of ten people probably don't know, didn't know who Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. were. It was a departure. Yeah. Um, and I think because of the setting and the unusual characters with Rocket and Groot and, um, you know, the likable, even the villainous aliens that we meet are likable with the exception of Ronan. Um, you know, I think, uh, that it, it gave us an, an easier entry point to, to like these characters. Yeah. I just want to see them tie the loose threads up. Which loose threads are those? Well, the connection to the rest of the universe. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you got a little while to wait. Well, that's Because, fine. um... A lot of these characters, a lot of the main characters don't get connected. Very few, well, none of the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy actually meet up with any of the other MCUs that you've met until uh, Infinity War. Okay. Which is, as I calculated it, about eight movies away. So. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> what have we done? Uh, well, look, I'm going, well, I'm going to give you an opportunity after we get back from the break okay. to to plot out your future oh, gee in this regard. But we're going to take a break first. Okay. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage, Mods MCU, hashtag MCU. Uh, education and indoctrination continues with Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Uh, the movie was a pretty big success. Uh, I, I'm not real sure what exactly the budget numbers on here mean because it gives a gross and a net to the budget. Huh. So I'll go with the bigger number. Uh, $232 million to make this movie. Okay. That may include promotion. I don't know. Um, and the box office was $772 million worldwide. So it did it pretty did well. well. Yeah. It did pretty well. Um. It has a pretty decent rating also from the critics. Um, yes, of course, I wasn't prepared to do this. Uh, let's see here. Critical response. How rotten are the tomatoes? Well, they're not rotten at all. It's 92%. Wow, okay. Um, and it has a 76 on Metacritic. And the folks on um, CinemaScore... Uh, gave it an A. Um, okay. So, so it was a popular film. But my question is, was it popular with the most important audience? You. What grade on a scale of one to five whatever item you're going to use <laughs> for this week uh, do you give Guardians of the Galaxy? I would give it four rabid raccoons. <laughs> well, that's not fair to Rocket. It's, Plus, he doesn't know he's a raccoon. Uh, well, he is, though. Yeah, well, I, I know that's what he looks like, but, you know, he's an alien creature. He's not from Earth. But he's a raccoon. He's He is a genetically and cybernetically modified raccoon, yes. 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 So, four rabid raccoons. Four rabid raccoons. I... Uh, I love this movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a sort of a, a zig where you're expecting them to zag in the hashtag MCU, and I I give it uh, five rabid raccoons. Uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoy this movie a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's got a, a unique look, at least it, up to that time, for the uh, hashtag MCU, and uh, it's it's just it's just fun. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't require a great deal of thought no um uh, well really none of these movies do but you know you you have this uh, just totally different uh take on on the marvel movies uh the closest we got to space was in avengers when we see loki talking to you know the bad guys yeah. and then when when tony delivers the bomb um through the through the portal hole thing um, when he's in space. Yeah. But uh, other than that, that's about all you'd had of sort of a different locale. Well, other than Asgard. But... Yeah. I don't count Asgard, really. Well, you don't get a lot of Asgard yet. No, you don't. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. It, it's it's one of my favorite MCU movies. Interesting. MCU. So, um, okay. 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 I said I was going to give you uh, an opportunity to plot your future. Uh. On a scale of 1 to 10. 1 meaning, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I'm going to sit in a warm tub with a razor blade and do oh. something terrible to myself. Or number 10, how dare you think that I want to uh, end this wondrous yellow brick road we're on. Mixing my movies. 
Yeah, you are. Uh, where are you on your journey for uh, continuing the uh, hashtag MCU? Do you want to continue? I do. Okay. All right. Do you actually need a number? Well, I, I was just going to give you the option. If if you were at like a five and a half, I was going to suggest maybe we take a break and do something else for my um, next selection. Pace it however you like. All right. Well, I mean. But I am interested in how all the parts work together. So right. you've done your dirty deed. He's smiling in such a self-satisfied way. If yeah. only you could see Stan's self-satisfied smile. Yes. Oh, Alliteration and, alert. Oh. And uh, coming up later this year is um, Black Widow, her solo movie. Yeah. Uh, which may be by, well, no, I don't think, well, maybe. I'll have to double check the release schedule. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you will see her. As she goes through the MCU, okay. you know, hashtag MCU, uh, you know, her, her path. Because this movie, I believe, is set in her past. Oh. Um, hashtag backstory. Yes. So, but you will need to come with me to that one. Okay. Okay. Because I, I don't think it'll ruin anything for if we haven't gotten to everything yet. Okay. So, yeah. Stan just asked me out. Yeah. Yeah. Yay, uh, and also squee! Uh, beg. Uh, I just, I, you know, I love seeing these movies, but, I mean, I love seeing every movie. But sometimes, you know, it'd be nice if you were there with me. Aw, that's so, sweet. Although, when you start your new job, that's probably going to be difficult. Well, we'll we can just work the schedule. Okay. Um, so... Oh, and I said I was going to give you some information on our listeners. Yeah. Um, we go through Anchor. They are our host. And uh, there are various analytics you can look at. I, and I assume if I paid a bunch of money, I could see a whole lot more. But I'm not. So. <laughs> Good call, Stan. So. Um, what state do you think? The majority of our downloads come from. Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, uh, there's 50 options, and it is a state. Kansas. Uh, no. no. Kansas is, what, is it even on the list? That's less than 1% if it is. Uh, well, no, I, I just assumed you would assume it was Tennessee, since we live in Tennessee. Well, yeah, but we don't really make much of that. Well, no, but we post to our friends on Facebook, most of whom live in Tennessee. Eh. So you would assume that it's just people who know us who are listening. Yeah, not so much. Well, you tell me, who do you know in Washington State? Do you know anybody in Washington State? I do. How many? One that I know of. <laughs> uh, does that one live and in and around? And he's not on Facebook, so okay. he doesn't get us from there. Does that one person live in or around Seattle? Near. Okay. Well, 98% of our Washington State downloads come from the Seattle area. Interesting. Uh, and 20% uh, of our downloads have been from Washington State. So, interesting. Uh, a second most 
popular state is Ohio. Do you know people in Ohio? Don't you have some family in Ohio? I used to. Well, well you know, cousins and such. Yeah. Extended family. Yeah. 90, Way extended. 96% of our Ohio downloads come from the Columbus area. Hmm. 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 All right. That's a head scratcher. And third place, which surprised me, was Tennessee. Oh. With 84% of our Tennessee downloads coming from the Knoxville area. Okay. So, I just I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Eighty-two uh, percent of our downloads come from the United States. Um, tied for second is the UK and Canada. Again, interesting. Now, it's only two percent, but uh, you know, podcasting is international, That's global. True. So, you know, it's it's just I just thought that was interesting. Thought it I'd is. share that with you. Thank you. Um. What have you been watching of late? OMG. Okay, so like I burned through Mad Men mm-hmm. like a house of fire. Mm-hmm. And I was not disappointed. I was afraid to get in your way. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I really I was I was kind of possessed almost. Uh-huh. I was like a woman on a mission. It just it just is so it's like that book that you're like, oh, come on, just just the end of this chapter, and then, like, it's 5 o'clock in the morning, right. and you're bleary-eyed, and you right. don't realize, like, where did the time go? Yeah. It's that kind of television. It was very, very good. Um, ran 2007 to 2015, and the ending was mostly... Mostly satisfying and a little bit of a surprise. So, okay. uh, and I won't spoil because there may be people who aren't familiar. But anyway, um, it was originally an AMC. It was an AMC original. Right. And I got it, I streamed it on IMDb TV through Amazon Prime. Right. So, I mean, if you have AMC Plus, of course, you can watch Mad Men. Yeah. Uh, without... Well, I don't know if they have tiers on their service like Peacock and some of the others do. I'm cheap. I wanted it free, so I had commercials. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so if you have Amazon Prime, you can add the IMDb TV channel. They're doing some original uh, programming as well through IMDb TV. They are, and I've seen promos with Vincent D'Onofrio um with some kind of gangster thing that I'm very interested oh, in right. checking out because he's... He's a quirky, weird actor, and I love him. I always have. Um, I watched a couple of movies. I watched one called Nostalgia, um, carrying on the Mad Men theme. It starred John Hamm among another a cast of other people. Mm -hmm. We get a little vignette with Bruce Dern. We see Ellen Burstyn, um, John Hamm, Catherine Keener, James LeGroe. it's it's an ensemble piece that that talks and deals with um, the stories behind our objects, our belongings, our things, and um, the generational difference in what we leave behind when we're gone. It it was interesting. Rotten Tomatoes didn't like it. It was like thirty five thirty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was you know. Um, but I felt like it was worth the watch, and I watched it on Hulu. Okay. 
Um, I also watched from 2014 Julianne Moore's Oscar-winning turn as the title character in the film Still Alice. Um, a brilliant linguist, linguistic professor at Columbia University um, starts to notice disturbing symptoms and it is determined that she is suffering from early onset Alzheimer's disease. Um, this movie is powerful, poignant. It will rip your guts out in a good way. Um, I had started watching it forever ago on a different service. I ended up watching it um, on Stars through whatever Amazon Prime. Through Amazon Prime. Um, well, that's that's how we get it. That's anyway. how we get it. Um, it was wonderful and heartbreaking. I've loved Julianne Moore since she played um, Franny slash Sabrina. On as the world turns in the eighties, mm -hmm. and um, she's just she's a brilliant actor, and this this role totally deserved. It was totally an Oscar winning performance. Um, Alec Baldwin, um, Kristen Stewart, Kate Bosworth are also they portray members of her family. So the, visiting the the decline of personality and memory mm -hmm. in with Alzheimer's in movies it sort of it's a popular genre if you will it's almost its own genre because uh, Anthony Hopkins won the best actor for Oscar the for the father which is about a man who is in the throes of dementia and mm -hmm. how his family deal with him yeah uh, and there's a new movie um Starring Billy Crystal, and who's the African American actress? Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish, um, and it's like she's his caregiver, and he's going through dementia. He's oh. entering dementia. Um, um, so, although that one's not, I don't think, it's quite as well received, uh, but the, the the combination of Haddish and Crystal apparently is is. It's a dramedy. Yeah. Um, so apparently those two folks work well together. Oh, good. So uh, that is, I, I don't know if it's ever going to hit a theater, local theater, but it's it will be available to rent or buy on various streaming services. Yeah. So, but it's like that. That level of tragedy is popular fodder for a movie. Well, there's a lot to explore. There are a lot of um, avenues as an actor. Um, Julianne Moore had an expert um, from the Alzheimer's Association who was her consultant for mm. this. Um, Kristen Stewart actually had a consultant, a caregiver consultant, um, help her prepare for, for this role as well. So um, it it's there's a lot to explore there is uh i just whenever i see that a it's very painful because my father had alzheimer's disease yeah and i also worry that they're going to just make it that they become forgetful um and it is so much more than yeah. that um you know, so, I mean, we can talk for hours about 
daddy's experience uh, with the disease and my mom and uh, my brother and sister and I. But, um, yeah, I, I worry whenever um, Alzheimer's disease or dementia become, <clears throat> becomes the, the focus of a movie. Yeah. Because I know, you know, I've seen enough movies to where I know they've got to lighten it up a little bit. Otherwise, it's just darkness all the time. This was pretty dark. I won't yeah. lie. Okay. Well. Um, and I feel very certain that Anthony Hopkins and the father it is pretty, pretty heavy as well. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, I say this. Despite the fact that I haven't seen The Father, I haven't seen Still Alice or the Billy Crystal one. Um, you might find it triggering. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a little too close to home for Probably. Me. So, um, anything else? Um, revisiting King of the Hill as I have mood and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you had recommended this morning that, um, you know, since I finished streaming Mad Men like a mad woman. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, I, I saw um, that, yeah. that I might see if an old 90s favorite um, called Party of Five was available to stream. And guess what? I found it for free on Tubi. So yay me and yay Stan. Yes. Uh, I, I knew that one was a favorite and you seem to be not sure what... Where to go next. Yes. So um, I, I just came into my mind that maybe you try party of five so um yes party of five originally aired on fox from um 1994 to 2000 um at it was very well received by critics mm-hmm. um it almost got canceled because of lack of viewers and there was actually a grassroots like letter writing campaign to the network please please give this show a chance to survive and they did, and it did, and... Um, was I, it five seasons or something like that? Well, um, 1994 to 2000, so... Okay, five, 94, six 95, or seven. 96, 97, 98, 99, six seasons. Um, basic premise, family of five children, um, their parents get hit by a drunk driver and they're killed. Only one of the five kids is an adult, Charlie the oldest, age 24, who... Um, clearly has not found himself yet. And isn't really mature enough to take this on. And isn't mature enough to take this on. So the second youngest, who is 16, is Bailey. And Bailey kind of has to grow up super fast Mm -hmm. um, because he's doing most of the nuts and bolts caretaking um, on a day-to-day level when we first meet them. Um, there's also Julia, 15-year-old, very smart, very sensitive, introspective teenager. Claudia, an 11-year-old violin prodigy, and one-year-old baby Owen. And they're moody bulldog. <laughs> so um, I, I watched the first three episodes today and um, was reminded again how much I loved it and why. Okay. So if you're interested in good family drama with good character development, excellent writing, wonderful acting, um, check out Party of Five. It streams for free on Tubi with commercials. Uh, You and I uh, went deep into the um, serial killer uh, Yeah, we did. 
with uh, we finished John Wayne Gacy Devil in Disguise on Peacock. Hashtag the original creepy clown. Uh, he certainly is. Um, and you know, in these, I think these interviews were like from '92. When he's talking to an FBI profiler. 92, 94, something. 92 probably because he was executed in 94, right? I, I think. I'm not sure what when he was executed. He was a creepy somebody. And despite the fact that they found 29 bodies buried under his house, uh, four more, he told them where to go look. But he didn't do it. But he didn't do it. He denied he did it right up into the end. And even though he confessed... To the murders um, in one of his initial interviews he he said well why didn't they record it why didn't they write it down or have a stenographer in there and they the, the cops said he wouldn't let us have anybody in there dude was evil and you know still claiming it wasn't him he, he's I I really wish they had talked more to the investigation well, I really wish they hadn't shown him at all, except in stills, because I did not want to hear what a word. I didn't, I didn't want to hear a lie out of his mouth, and him, him, you know, saying, "Why didn't the cops find the bodies on the first time they came to my house with a search warrant?" Well, because you buried them under the house, they didn't know to go down there and look until uh, I think they flipped. Uh, the heat came on one time when they were there. And they could smell the decay coming yeah. from under the house. So, yeah, it's uh, there's not really anything gross about this movie, although you do see some skeletons that are of the victims. The thing that sort of interested me about this is the idea that he had help. Yes. That that he maybe was not the only person the involved. The sole perpetrator, yes. In the killings. Uh, he had help digging trenches because apparently he had a bad back. And he had a couple of the guys that worked in his remodeling company dig these trenches under the house saying it was for a plumbing project. Yeah. Um, Which is plausible. Yes. But, um, you know, there is some thought that maybe he had some... Uh, accomplices, yeah. Uh, either these two young men who worked for him, or a couple of other guys, one of whom ran a pedophile newsletter, Ugh. which is mind blowing that those two words actually came out of my face. And he he printed it off of a a, a copy machine in a, a jail where he was serving time. Ugh. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it, it's just this guy, mind-blowing. In addition to just being evil, the hubris is oh, yeah. overwhelming. Well, he, a lot of people knew him said he thought he was the smartest person in the room. And he was very good at schmoozing people. Yeah. Getting what he wanted. Um, well, and he did this for years and years and years. and Undetected, so obviously there was some intellect at play. Yes. Freaking psychopath. Right. So that is, what, eight episodes? Six episodes? Six, I think it was six. Six episodes. It's on Peacock. You will have to pay. Um, you can pay the lower tier, which is like five bucks a month with commercials. Uh, to watch that in its entirety. We also, on Peacock, watched Rifkin on Rifkin, Private Confessions of a Serial Killer. Um, and uh, this is a guy who was picking up sex workers and 
killing them, strangling them, and it was all part of his fantasy. Uh, his pathology. Yes. Um, and people, you know, from his past said, there were plenty of scary guys in high school. He was not one of them. Yeah. The the guy next door, you never would have suspected right. kind of scenario. Joel Rifkin. Ugh. Yeah, Joel Rifkin. He's... Um, and he worked very hard not to get caught. Uh, it was just he made a dumb mistake, and that's the only reason he got caught. Yeah. Uh, so that is a 90-minute documentary um, that I actually considered a little dry. I was fading by the time a, as it went on. I was yeah. getting sleepy. Um, but the, a guy he knew in college briefly, when he heard his name on the radio as being arrested for this murder that, that uh, he got caught for initially, he, um, he said, I, I was so flabbergasted I had to go talk to him. Yeah. And he was, uh, he allowed, Rifkin allowed this guy to come in and talk to him. He was a cop and a, some sort of writer. He had been a journalism major in college, and that's how they met in the first place, because Rifkin was something of a photography wonderkind. Yes. Um, and they covered a story together. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Journalism Major ends up becoming a police detective. So he, he went and talked to him and recorded all their conversations. So you hear his voice, but you don't see the actual conversation. No, you there's, just see still photographs of Joel Rifkin. There's a, a lot and, and some recreations yeah. going on. So it's a it's a little dry, maybe a little too long, but it's still interesting if you're into true crime. And everything else on that I've watched is Star Wars related and on Disney Plus. Uh, I watched the new animated show The Bad Batch. Uh, its first uh, episode is like 70 minutes long. It's like a double-length episode. Uh, And it is about um, four clones uh, from the clone army um, from, you know, we go to Kamino, which is um, episode two or three. I don't remember. I think it's episode two. Um, And they aren't identical to the other clones there are variations in their genetic structure and that makes gives each of them a unique ability one guy's big and strong uh the other guy it has heightened senses so he's a good tracker one guy is a crack um uh, marksman uh one guy is just super intelligent so he can he can you know crack various um, software codes and all that stuff. And there, there's a fifth one who was actually captured by the Separatist forces and sort of turned into this uh, living computer. Um, he was plugged in so that they could uh, predict the actions of the stormtroop or the, um, the uh, clone troopers uh, so that they could, you know, defeat them in battle. Well, he got rescued and now he's part of what they call the Bad, the bad batch. batch. And it uh, takes place between episodes three and four, um, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Um, and I'm sure it is stuffed full of Easter eggs for hardcore Star Wars fans. 
I just enjoyed it because it's Star Wars, it's animated, and I'm like a five-year-old. So, <laughs> uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the first episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. It is on Disney+, Plus, as is Star Wars Biomes and Vehicle Fly-Throughs. What they do on Biomes is they take you to various planets um, in the Star Wars universe. Now... You know, like on the Apple TV, when the screensaver comes on and mm-hmm. it's 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 like flying over a city real slow, yeah. or you're underwater with a bunch of jellyfish, don't get stung, uh, and it's it's all it's all very sort of lush and it moves kind of slowly. Yeah. Well, that's sort of what they do with biomes. Oh. You fly over, for instance, the first planet is Hoth, uh, which is the icy snow world. And uh, there are little things that happen as you fly slowly over Hoth. One is a uh, a spy droid from the Empire crashes into a mountain and it takes off and starts flying around. Okay. And you see Tauntauns running through the snow. And then you see the giant At-At um, Imperial walkers uh, approaching something. Uh, but it's it's all sound effects and these visuals... And they go to a couple of other planets, too. The whole thing takes about 17 minutes. uh, And you have to pay attention because you'll miss all the little things they throw in that are very Star Wars-y. Okay. So, that's that's called biomes. Vehicle fly-throughs, there's only two of them, and they're both very short. The first one is you, you, exactly what it says, you fly through the Millennium Falcon. Or Falcon, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Eh. And you get a look. You get a look around at all the controls and the the the, the table with the three D chess game. Yeah. Um, and and stuff like that. And then you go fly through a star destroyer, uh, which is of course one of the Empire ships. They may. I don't know if they're going to add more or, but there's only two of them, and they're both and it, they're both relatively short. Uh, there's there's no people in any yeah. of these it's just the environment it's just the environments both in biomes and in uh, fly throughs and in fly throughs so if you're a star wars fan uh, have at it i i enjoyed both of those two and finally maggie simpson in the force awakens from its nap on what? disney plus no. it is it is a simpsons themed star wars-esque adventure as maggie goes to a star wars daycare where there are various characters that have been simpsonized oh that's fun and and she has an adventure versus uh this this per- one particular evil um uh, toddler who <laughs> has shown up in various other maggie shorts ah. so it's the it's the uh, evil baby with the unibrow and the buck teeth so nice if if you enjoy the simpsons and star wars this then is a good mashup. This is, this is this will scratch all those itches, and it also too is very short. And all of that is on Disney Plus. Well, we are running out of time. Yeah, we are. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. Please uh, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Send us suggestions for things you'd like us to watch. The name of it and why you think we should watch it, and where we can find it. Send it to ComedyTragedyMarriage at gmail.com and leave us a voice message. Uh, just click the link in the description of this episode. Until next time, love you. Love you. And later. later. Yay!